Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check us out on the web at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. Today's guest is the recipient of the 2020 Plipton Prize for Fiction, a 2020 National Endowment for the Arts Literature Fellowship, and the 2020 ASME Award for Fiction. His fiction has appeared in the Paris Review, American Short Fiction, Prairie Schooner, Passages North, and Electric Literature, and they have been anthologized in the Best American Magazine Writing. He received his MFA from the University of Minnesota and is a PhD fellow in the University of Southern California's Creative Writing and Literature Program. In 2021, he was awarded a Wallace Stegner Fellowship in Creative Writing Program at Stanford University. His debut novel, In Stories, his debut story collection, whatever you want to call it, If I Survive You, is out now. Please welcome Jonathan Escoffery. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for joining the Day Beautiful podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, pretty well. Um, the book comes out in a, in a week. Mm-hmm from uh this conversation yes so there's there's a lot going on in in my head <laughs> trying to keep uh keep from dropping any important balls and um if i were to uh when i look to my right i have uh a tower of boxes filled with my books mm-hmm. which is just kind of surreal and i need to uh get on to signing those and getting those to some bookstores but it's a very it's a very good uh, problem to have ahead of yeah. me. Yeah. I'll, before I dive into like the conversation I normally go into, I'd, I'd love to hear, because I haven't asked this before to any author, what was it like getting that first box of arcs and then the finished copy? Like, how was that for you? Yeah, it's it's, it's been this uh, kind of threefold process where first I got... I, first, I saw out in the world mm-hmm. that they had the galleys so mm-hmm. before the arcs. Yeah, so, yeah. and it, yeah, they had these um, these kind of interesting blue co- uh, covers that were distinct, but it was it was still kind of plain, but kind of distinct and cool at the same time. And they did not send me a copy of that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, I went a while without uh, holding that in my hands, and then I got the the arc, mm-hmm. and that had the it, it was I, I can't believe how much money they put into <laughs> into this arc because it has like the actual indentation and it's mm-hmm. the real cover, and that yeah. that really um, that was really special seeing that and holding that, and there's a way in which that is still when I think of my book, it's the arc that's still Mm -hmm. kind of in my heart. Um, But then I received, well, then I negotiated with someone who had the blue cover (laughs) that we would trade the uh, arc for the galley. And I I eventually got the, um, the uh, galley. So that, that felt really special. And, um, and then the hardcover came and um, it, it came uh, on a, a really weird day. I, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, but um, it was basically hours after my father had died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And and I, but I, I don't know. It was just this really weird mix of uh, of emotions. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like you know, really acknowledging or trying to, <laughs> as much as I could, acknowledge both moments in yeah. a sense, give myself sp- space to feel all of the things. 
Um, but I stacked them and the, you know, this cover, the final cover has this kind of glimmer and sheen to mm -hmm. it. Light hits it, it just glows. And yeah, um, that is, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, when, when you have been dreaming of this moment for so long, it's just, it, again, it's like a lot of, even just within that one, yeah. that one, aspect is just a lot of emotions i think because it's like yeah. wow, this is it this is here you know it's like it's not just the the dream anymore yeah you did it well i'm sorry to hear about your father um and i can't imagine going through that especially on a day that it's like also the happiest day of your life in a weird way yeah like, yeah you know yeah um really strange yeah thank you, thank you. I appreciate yeah of course it. and and but it, if i survive you your book i got a copy from, I guess, Michael, your agent. And he was like, you're going to love this. And I think I read it like in a day and a half. I just like busted right through it. Oh, no. Nice. <laughs> uh, and I got the finished copy. I never got an arc. So like I got, I, I got onto this pretty late in life, which I'm glad it was like, <laughs> I love when someone tells me, no, you will love this. Like, I'm not just pitching it to you. Like you really need to read this. Oh, um, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, Michael's my, my, my publicist. Publicist. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, uh, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's, um, Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's, as is my, my agent. Shout out to Renee Zuckerberg. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My whole team, my whole team will we'll be here for hours if I shout everybody out. But. No, for sure. That's part of the day. Beautiful though. Um, tell readers what If I Survive You is about. Yeah. Um, so it's a link story collection that follows the American born son in a Jamaican family. Um, that's moved to Miami, Florida from Kingston. Uh, they moved there in the late 70s uh, to get away from a lot of the upheaval and violence that was taking place in Kingston um, at that time. And they're trying to make a life in Miami. Um, and the stories are told from various members of the, the family's perspective, um, for, in, in particular, uh, Delano, who's the Jamaican-born of the two brothers, um, Topper, who's the father, and then Chilani, who gets the most stage time. And he's, again, he was born in Miami. And we're following his um, search to be loved and search to find belonging. Um, I think he feels that he has been treated and seen as the lesser son or the son who does not fit within the family dynamics. Mm. And we see how that kind of plays out um, as he searches to, to figure out, you know, who he's, who he is, who he's going to be in this world. And he's getting pushed and pulled in a lot of different directions. And sometimes the closer he gets to what he thinks is the answer. Um, for example, when he tries to claim his Jamaican identity, um, there's a kind of danger in that. And we see he has this uh, major falling out with his father that leads him to uh, begin living in his car for um, much of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what I was fascinated by was just the relationships that unfolded. You have a really, I feel like a really strong grasp on how to portray the complexities of father-son relationships and brother relationships, sibling relationships. Right. Um, were, before this kind of became what it is, were you always writing about family? Or was that like something that you were always interested in? Um, I, it wasn't until uh, about 12 years ago now, um, I wrote a story that was about 
Trelawney and Delano and Topper. Mm -hmm. uh, so the two brothers and the father. Yeah. And it kind of poured out of me. And I'd never really written about family before that moment. But I, I kind of found that I had discovered these characters who I was really interested in and interested in spending a lot more time with. And that's kind of what set me on the path towards uh, writing about family. And then, you know, obviously writing this this book. Yeah. I was still kind of figuring out what the book was going to be. But it kept coming back to uh, family. And I was I was really interested in this these fraught father-son dynamics. And um, so I personally had a lot of uh, interest in that topic. And so even beyond Chalani and Topper and their weird dynamic, their strained dynamic, I should say, um, I wanted to look at a kind of parallel version of that in the characters Cookie and Ox, Cookie being Chalani and Delano's cousin um, and Ox being Cookie's father. And um, thinking about, you know, if Chelani and Topper's relationship is is strained and at times bad, you know, what's it look like if we push things even further with a, yeah. a Cookie and, a, and an Ox character? Uh, Cookie has meets his father when he's 13 years old in the Florida Keys, and um, we we see what it's like for those two to get closer, um, to build and try to repair their relationship before things kind of fall apart. Mm -hmm. Is that original story that you wrote with these characters, did that make its way into this collection? That did not make its way into the collection. I I was um, kicking it back and forth mm -hmm. um, with uh, with my agent, with also with my myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what I realized is that, um, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's different, different ways for me to talk about it. On one hand, I think I had grown a lot from that time when I first wrote that story, yeah. I, I think I was noticing some kind of fundamental foundational issues with that story. And there's also a way in which I'd explored um, a lot of what was going on in that story and some of these other stories, but I had done kind of a better job in, in the stories that actually made it into the book. Mm -hmm. um, and then another way to talk about it is that I kept, I, I, I really wanted it to be in the book though. And I kept revising it and you know, I revised it into something that was just kind of terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah. by my standards, you know, putting yeah. it into the other stories. And I thought you can't just have the story because you want the story. Like, it has to serve the book. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it was the right move to, to take it out of the book, but it, it kind of centered a lot of the same conflicts that appear in, um, the title story, uh, If I Survive You, with Delano and Chelani living in this house and mm -hmm. um, this kind of power struggle uh, for who can control the house and who uh, who is getting the power to do so from the father character, Topper. Yeah, definitely. Well, you mentioned like the story had fundamental like problems that you just found weren't working. Uh, like what 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 were they and and were they be did you realize it because you like time had passed and like you had grown as a writer yeah time played a big part in that i think um time and and and, and place and space mm. i had i wrote that story right before i left miami mm, uh -huh. uh, i had i never lived as an adult i had never lived anywhere um other than miami and it was kind of built around these, like a series of jokes. Basically, the Trelawney character was supposed to be really, really 
frustrated and upset with Delano and his father, but he was taking it out on this other character that Delano had brought into the house. And it was this kind of mis it was purposely misdirected, um, you know, anger. Um, but I thought, but it was done in like jokes <laughs> and mm. jokes that I think, you know, if, if I were still in Miami and it were still 2010, I think those things worked and mm -hmm. then time shows you where it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that doesn't work anymore. And that's, you know, this one, this one doesn't work because it's corny. That yeah. one doesn't work because it's, you know, even, even though it's purposeful, it's like difficult to tell the distance between a problematic character and me as the author, maybe being problematic. Um, the space was too close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, figuring those things out along the way was, was really, um, important <laughs> mm -hmm. obviously um and and then you know again like moving i've lived in uh minneapolis i've lived in new england um including boston um now i'm in california and you move around the country and you see you know different it, it can be subtle at times but different kind of cultural expectations and what um what humor plays where um which is always a a, a challenge and thing if you if you're trying to pay too much attention to it i think um uh or or if you're if you're trying to play to a particular audience which i mm -hmm. you know i'm not necessarily trying to do that at all but um i still think i don't know in, in miami and i spent most of the summer back in miami and um i should say in my circles in miami because i'm not trying to characterize the entire That's city true. but in my circles in miami um, chosen circles, circles I certainly didn't choose as well. <laughs> uh, strangers I meet on the street. It's things are, are are a lot more blunt and can come off to someone who's not used to it. They can come off as really brash, a bit harsh. Um, the communication style is just very in your face, yeah. Yeah. and um, I think I had to take that into consideration that not everybody's going to get like that. Everyone just talks this way, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, for sure. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like we, or especially me on this like series, I focus on like what works and how we change things to make them work. But I, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Sometimes things that we love don't work, you know, right. and that's okay. Um, so when do you decide that Trelawney and this family is going to be something you focus on um, immediately? So that's 2000, uh, 10, 10 you mentioned yeah. so do you start writing stories after that that and and you kind of know this is going to be your next decade of your life <laughs> um i i was workshopping with um i was getting ready to apply to mfa programs and um so it was kind of midway through november when i when i wrote that story of mm -hmm. uh, november of 2010 and uh, one of my my good friends, um, who he's a fantastic author as well, um, Dariel Suarez. He read it and he was like, you know, you need to you need to be like exploring this world. You know, mm -hmm. I think he recognized it as something that um, was a little bit more elevated. It was a little bit more um, insightful. I think, even though I, I'm talking about those problems that that story had, it, it was bringing like these interesting dynamics that some, some of the other stories I've been writing, I was writing a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, looking back, I, I guess I could 
call some of those earlier stories a, a little bit more generic in a sense. Um, I, I hadn't quite found my subject matter and this appeared yeah. to be it. But I, there was a lot of energy around that, and I applied to MFAs, and I got into several, and I, I chose University of Minnesota. And I thought when I showed up, um, I thought maybe that story was actually the opening chapter of a novel. Mm. And I think I, I hung on to that idea for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I kept writing, you know, chapter two, cha other chapter two, <laughs> yeah, another yeah, version yeah. of a chapter three. Uh, and then I, I realized, you know, I, I just really needed to, well, one, I had workshop deadlines, so I needed to be appearing, you know, showing up with, with work. Um, and I also realized I really needed to get to know these characters better. And so I started writing, you know, whatever interested me about these characters, I started writing, um, writing those stories. And so like Delano, I remember writing the penultimate story in the, in the book, um, Delano's story, um, where he is trying to, uh, convince a uh, mechanic who he owes money that he should give him back his bucket truck so he can do a job before a hurricane makes landfall in Miami. And he'll be able to hopefully use that money to get his kid, his children back in his life, his own two sons. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't at that point aware that that was going to be, um, like in a book, but I, I wanted to kind of explore, you know, I already knew Chelani was someone who kind of, it's not that he doesn't take big actions, but I think he kind of stews for a moment mm -hmm. before, <laughs> before he takes big actions that are sometimes, you know, big mistakes. Um, but Delano, I wanted to, in contrast, have him be this kind of live wire character who's going to, um, once he makes a plan, he's just going to like see it through to the end, yeah. like no matter what, um, no matter what happens. And yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just kept playing with those characters in that way. I, the, the story collection opens up on a, on a story called In Flux, um, told in the second person from Chelani's point of view. And I wrote that, I wrote the opening of that, I should say, in my final semester at the U of M. And I think when I when I finished that story, that's when I knew I actually had a book on my hands and how yeah. I was going to move forward with that. One thing I uh, always like to ask with linked story collections is the idea of a linked story collection versus a novel. Right. Um, what's the difference to you? Why is this called a linked story collection as opposed to a novel? Yeah. Um, I think, well, first of all, I, I, I went into this thinking I would write this novel mm -hmm. that would have all of the chapters stand alone. Sure. Because I was just going to write the perfect book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to just do this, like, you know, what's perfect? <laughs> you get you get both, you know? And um, I think thinking of it as a novel for, for, for a minute, it, it really, thinking of it as, as a novel that had to have those standalone chapters, mm -hmm. it, it froze me and it, it really I got in my head and I had to kind of just write stories and then bring it back together again sure. in order to actually construct the book um I think one difference is that in my head and people keep calling it a novel anyway like I'm noticing in media and yeah. reviews and stuff they'll, they'll call it a novel they call it a novel of stories they call it stories yeah and none of it bothers me to be honest sure. we left the uh subtitle off of the cover yeah. And I really love that um, my my people at uh, 
MCD, I think it was uh, 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 Jackson, my my editor, um, his idea to just not have, a, you know, if I survive you, a novel. If I survive yes. stories, he yep. just were just like, if I survive you. And I, I loved that idea so much. Um, and it really showed me like what kind of team I was yeah. going to have if I worked with with them. Um, so so we, we we took that route. And I think that both indicates to readers that this is going to be um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of both, you might say, or a little in between or a little bit of its own thing anyway. Yeah. And um, I and I like that. But anyway, <laughs> I think when we think of novels, one of the expectations we have is that when we come to the end of one chapter, yeah. we know what we're expecting to learn about in, in the next chapter. There's a particular uh, anticipation that um, we're providing that's a little bit specific in terms of like, we can come to the end of one of these stories and say, I want to know more about this family. Um, I want to know more about, you know, um, Shalani says in, in spite of his father saying, you know, or indicating you're probably not super welcome to come live in my house when you move back to Miami, but a reader could say, Oh, I wonder if he does, or I wonder if he doesn't, or I wonder where he lives, but the, the book doesn't necessarily set you up to mm -hmm. say, that is the answer that I need to know. And I think in a novel, um, at the end of a chapter, I think it's it, it, typically the expectation is that you you know the specific questions that you're asking next. Uh, conversely, with a story collection, you I think you have to you have to land those endings mm -hmm. in a way that's so. So the ending of a story and the ending of a chapter, like they both have um, expectations, I think, and they're both I think they're both difficult. Though I and maybe this is just my opinion right now because I wrote a story collection. I think it's much, uh, it's a much bigger ask to have. In, in my case, I have eight stories in this collection, and to close out those stories in a satisfying way, I think that is a, I think is a bigger ask. Uh, no offense to, <laughs> to no. novelists, yeah. you know, because you have to. You're asking the, the the reader to really like step away and think and you know, think about all that's come before and, you know, what, what have we learned about these characters journeys? Not to, not to say it's like a message that we're trying to give necessarily, yeah. but, um, you know, does that ending satisfy everything that's come before? Whereas a novel can kind of satisfy some of what's come before, but still hand off enough that, you know, we're, you're kicking that problem down the line of answering all the questions. For sure. And like the breathing room in a traditional novel with chapters is so much different than a short story and like right. you have to land yeah like you said you have to land it you have yeah. to give the breathing room but then come to a satisfying like dive into the pool i guess at the end where it's like it's all yeah. over i can't breathe anymore yeah uh, yeah and then the beginning is too i mean you're yeah. now i mean this is what really stumped me and, and took me the longest i think was trying to decide how, am I am I really starting from scratch with the world building every time I tell a new story? And how mm -hmm. can I do it without? How do I indicate that if I put all of these stories next to each other, that this is the same family, this is the same world, but not be redundant? So I, yeah. I can't, you know, give the same information over and over because now it's like, okay, we already know. Like, why would I want to read that story? Yeah after this other story I just read because, it, you know, so figuring out what information to share while also creating something new that can stand alone was, was a big challenge. Mm -hmm. I love that. I actually, right before we were 
talking, I wrote a bunch of notes down and, and one was like that a novel or stories wasn't on it. You know, there's always something on it. I just appreciate that you brought that up and your editor thought about like carefully thought that through. Like that's a good little tidbit. I really appreciate. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And and so, you you know, you're at university of Minnesota, you realize you have this linked novel, short story collection, whatever you want to call it um, happening. Where do you go from there? So that is, you know, a few years ago, Right. Did it become easier to write these? I know you've already talked about like the, the hurdles you had to jump with beginnings, endings, everything, but right. did it kind of start flowing naturally there? I think once I had the, the opening um, mm-hmm. and I had an opening and I think by then maybe I just read an, enough link story collections where um, I understood the, the space that is allowed of a, of a story um, in mm. terms of um you can go at it from, from any angle now. And if, if it's really, you know, the second person you want to explore um, in a story collection, there's no reason you shouldn't change uh, your different points of view. And there's no reason you shouldn't change your characters. And um, you can have your, your present tense uh, first person story, and you can have a, a first person story that's more retrospective. Like I think about Pestilence where it's this older, more mature voice looking back at childhood and mm-hmm. living with Hurricane Andrew and um, this uh, influx of, of animals that are, are in crabs and millipedes and all these things that are taking over the neighborhood before the, the hurricane hits. Um, and, I, and that I think allowed me a certain freedom um, to create and play um, and that's what I, I did. I, I moved to, to the Boston area and I was working at the Grub, uh, Grub Street mm-hmm. Writer Center. And I loved the job and I, I loved where the environment and community I found myself in. But there was a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of work to, <laughs> to do, and a lot of hours spent doing that work. And so, um, you know the, the the thing about an MFA is that if you're not disciplined, you you might have um, they they might give you enough rope to hang yourself with in, in terms of how much time you have to to focus if you mm-hmm. don't build in the discipline. And um, when I was working at Grub Street, I mean I had no options, <laughs> so yeah. I do. You know you've got Saturday and you've got Sunday, and you might have to you know, do your laundry on Sunday. So now you've got Saturday and this is where you're going to, you're, you're going to write all day and you're going to, um, figure out this book. And, um, and, and that's what I did for, for a couple of years. Um, and then I wound up getting a, a fellowship slash mm-hmm. job at this retreat in Western Massachusetts. And, um, and I did the bulk of my, my revision and, um, kind of adding on stories, uh, there. And that was a, it was a really weird gig, but a really wonderful opportunity to, to, to go back from that full-time job, that full-time plus, cause I was teaching, I was editing yeah. on the side. And then I was suddenly, I was back in a space where I did have a lot of time to, um, to write, but now I was disciplined and mm-hmm. now I, I knew, uh, but I also lived where I worked, which meant anything could happen at any moment. <laughs> and so I knew, I still knew I had to make the most of my time when I, when I had the time to write there. Mm-hmm. What does, what did revision look like for this once it's sold and everything, once you, once you're like putting on the final revisions, mm-hmm. um, especially because 
you know, these stories can stand alone. Like, right. was there a lot of shuffling with how you wanted to present things? Um, there wasn't much shuffling in terms of the the ordering of the mm. book. I think I'd, I'd, I'd worked really closely and really um, hard with, uh, with Renee, my agent. And mm-hmm. um, we felt really happy with it at that point. In some of the meetings before um, before the book sold, some of the teams I'd spoken with, um, most of them wanted the same order I, I went with, but a couple thought, you know, I could I could switch some things around, and and I I do see that version of the book, um, I, I I see how that could work uh, mm-hmm. as well, but um, I, I we I thought it was important to kind of establish who. The difficulty Trelawney found just moving through the world of just being in his body. And I wanted that to be present in everything that comes after the opening story in mm-hmm. Flux. Um, what, what we did, we, we continued though to, to, to tighten things. I think having a, a story collection, even though the, the stories, they, they can still stand alone, but there were um, some things that I think I find it safe to assume that people may read it in order. I'm not saying they will read it in order. Um, but if you know you if if you get to um, splashdown and you haven't read pestilence, I, I think that's still okay. But if you've read pestilence first and, and first, and then you get to splashdown, it's already been set up that Cookie is the cousin of um, mm-hmm. Trelawney and Delano, and just adding those little uh, bits of connectivity, the connective tissue, that was the main thing we we worked on. Um, I had the good fortune of selling back to back the the book in the U.S. and in the U.K. And so I worked with my U.S. editor Jackson, with my U.K. editor Kish, and they both gave me notes. And it was kind of cool to have two different uh, voices in the sense they combined it all on one manuscript. And I could see, you know, as I'm reading through, through, oh, um, they both love this. Oh, they both think this should change. Oh, they they actually disagree, but one agrees with, with me. Yeah. Um, you know, my original intention or whatever. Um, and so it was really kind of fun to have uh you know, I'm really I'm it's, I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm I, it, to me it felt like this wonderful conversation I was having with two very smart people about the work I'd been mm-hmm. you know, doing for for all these years and we just kind of took it from there. I knew from both of those meetings that neither of those teams I went with wanted any kind of massive overhaul. Yeah, and I think you know that's had had I written this book in just a few years, I think there there probably would have been um, more many more suggestions for what should change, and I'd probably honestly be more receptive <laughs> to mm. what should change. But I worked on this book a really long time, and yeah. um, and with placing up, you know, uh, some of these stories um, beforehand, <laughs> enough of these stories to just feel confident in the shape that they were that they were in. Because um, because sometimes sometimes people can give you really good ideas that are still not necessarily better than the original idea you had in the first place, and it's just a different good idea, and. A, a, a lot of what success means to me is just feeling good about the decisions I've made. And so, um, cause it's, so much of it is, is perception uh, mm-hmm. I, I found, you know, and it's like, do you made that decision? Do you feel good about it? And, 
um, that's that's kind of what I've been following. That's the energy I've been following, and I've I've felt good so far. The yeah, for sure, views have been great, and yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going in the right direction so far. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to with that that story that didn't work. You just you felt that it didn't work, and right, you had to right. cut it. Um, yeah, yeah. If I survive you, everything about it. Your writing, obviously. Uh, you mentioned the like the the cover um that the ins i don't even know what to call it the inside flaps with like the palm trees with skulls on the mct version everything about this like you and then your team behind you really just nailed everything um yeah i just like compliment yeah shout out to the the design team and and um uh um uh so they we I was the obnoxious um, author who was like very much wanted to be involved in the cover, mm-hmm. which is which is a very different thing from saying I had anything to do with the, how cool the damn cover is. <laughs> but I was like, you know, how about how about this? How about that? How about? Mm-hmm. And they came up with this cover, and I just love it so much. And then when they came with the idea of the, um, I also don't know the name. I'm sure I yeah. have it somewhere in the email, but yeah. you know that inner design. Yeah the hardcover and then the um sketchings of the aki and yeah. all of the the stories yeah. had nothing to do um with any of that although i did have an idea for how the presentation of the very final one um uh presents you'll notice that that one's actually different from all of the other ones um but yeah the shout out to the the, the whole design yeah. team. um shout out to nakim uh for the cover and um uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't love it anymore. Oh, terrific. Um, so I think readers will obviously love this book once it's out. Uh, what have you been loving? What's on your radar that you want to read? What have you read recently that you can't stop talking about? Yeah. Um, I so people have already started sending me. Um, yep. Books to blur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good problem to have. Um, you know. And I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm doing my best to be a good, good literary citizen. Because it was, you know, it was seems like just yesterday I was out there uh, yeah, asking that game. and begging and <laughs> pleading for blurb. <laughs> so, and I'll I'll need to do it again before yep. long. Um, but I really liked this author, uh, Dion Irving, whose mm-hmm. book is coming. I, I believe it's this fall if I've kept up with the release date um, from uh, Catapult. Yep. And, this the islands uh uh she's a jamaican i believe she identifies as jamaican canadian um but these are these are jamaican stories about jamaicans in the the diaspora and i you know as someone who's writing about jamaicans in the diaspora um i i I really loved um that story collection and just what these different angles like there's a story about a kid whose parents own a um like a jamaican bakery and you know, she is talking about the um, tension between people, older people kind of understanding what that might mean to her when she gets older, but her just being a kid and not necessarily wanting to spend all of her weekend days um, working. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, you know, something I've, I, I hadn't, I hadn't read a, a story like that. And there are other, you know, really wonderful stories in the, in that collection 
Um, and, and that's really, I read it, uh, you know, almost a year ago now and that sure. one really, really stuck with me. Um, and then there's, uh, my Nardone, um, uh, he has, uh, welcome me to the kingdom coming out, I think in the spring 2023. Mm -hmm. And, um, most of those stories are taking place in, or kind of just outside of, uh, Bangkok. Um, and it's, it's again, like a, it speaks to me because it's, I, I think it's being published as stories, but it's kind of a novel or it's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's the same characters popping up in these really different, interesting ways. And there's this kind of, to me, it builds a kind of suspense between, okay, we saw this character when they were this age. And now like suddenly these, we, we meet them again. And that question that pops into my head is like, Oh, like where, where have they been since what's, what's changed. Um, and, uh, it's it's just really it's really well written, um, which you know superbly written. It's it's, it's beyond well written. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Um, so I was I was really um, really fascinated by that. And then just for the for the writers out there, I mean, I, I the last thing I I, I I listened to this one on audiobooks. I'll, I'll be honest, but being in the middle of this kind of uh, storm of promotion <laughs> of yeah. promoting my book and uh you know getting ready for for pub date um uh, an author friend of mine um jen de Leon, another wonderful author uh she recommended that i read courtney mom's uh before and after the book deal uh, mm -hmm. it, it hadn't been on my radar and um it even from my point at the board be, on the board i mean being a week out from pub date it was just it's, what fascinates me about it is like no matter where you are in this kind of cycle, <laughs> mm -hmm. whether you're working on writing your first story or whether you're, you know, months after your, your first book or second book have come out, whatever it is, this book is so applicable. And it just really I don't know it, um, it, it. It just everything that I kind of knew already seemed true, but it was it was it done. In, it was told in a really affirming way that it didn't feel like redundant information at all. And then there was just, she, she goes into such detail. Um, there's, it's, it's just really, um, I, I think I'd recommend it to any writer at any stage in, in their career. Thank you so much to Jonathan for joining the Debutful podcast today to talk about his debut book, If I Survive You. You can follow Jonathan at his website, jonathanescoffery.com. You can check out Debutful at debutiful.net and follow us on all social media at Debutiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Debutiful, and you're all beautiful.